This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who aren't done yet. You may have seen the worst of aging and are hoping there's a better way. There is, and I'm going to show you how. In interviews, book reviews, rants, and stories each week, I'm going to bring you the latest science-based info on how to age better. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. It pisses me off, and it's BS. Look, aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. I have with me Premily Guerreri, who I've known for quite a long time and is just such a delight to speak to and a super powerful coach in the spiritual and business realm. So Prema, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to dive into wonderful juicy conversation with you. And I'm super excited about what's going to emerge today. We always have good conversations. That's for darn sure. Why don't you, you know, I touched on what you are. You're a spiritual coach. I didn't mention you're a Vedic astrologer with what 25 years experience. And you also are a business coach for spiritual entrepreneurs and people that are up to changing the world, I would say. What else can you tell us about yourself? Oh my. Also, I would, you know, say that taking care of myself and health and well-being is like top of the list. You know, I was a yoga teacher for many years, had a big yoga and healing arts center. I always tell people, oh, those things that you geek out on, you know, those are those are some of the things you're really into. And astrology was always something like that and spirituality for me and, and business. But health and well-being has always been something that I continue to dive into. And, you know, how can I better? It's really for me. It's about amplifying my energy. How can I? How can I amplify my energy and feel the best that I, that I can feel? So I so love to support, especially women and women visionaries, in really stepping into their true nature and owning their what I call their highest value gifts or their divine gifts, and really helping them to not only be very very. Mm, fulfilled I was going to say happy but like that deeper sense of that and really fulfilled because I find at this time of life and for most of the women I know yeah we want to be happy yeah we want this or that but there's you know if we haven't fulfilled what we are meant for or we don't know what that is or that has changed because it does change over time that'll pull at us and as much as we might want success or as much as we might want, you know, total health or vitality, there's a sense of really wanting life to be meaningful and to be made good use of and do what we've really come here to do. And that's really near and dear to my heart and near and dear to my heart to help other people with as well. And I want to let the listeners know, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be a world changer. You don't have to be a visionary to begin at the midlife to start to look inside a little bit more. And it's true of the female brain. We look outside for a couple of decades because it's about family and career. And then at the midpoint, we start to look inside to see whether we have a fulfilling life or what needs to be changed. And the work that you do is not only for people in business, but it's also for people that have a life. <laughs> and that would about include everybody listening in. Your dedication to self-care and health and wellness, always an inspiration to me. And like you said, things that we geek out on we should include in our lives. And that was what you, you know, yoga teacher owned a wellness center. And the Vedic astrology is a little bit of a twist, a unique piece 
in terms of how the planets, the energy of what's going on around us influences our self-care, our body. Our, so I want to bring it into people's awareness that this isn't like this person's all about health and wellness. Oh, and by the way, there's astrology over here and it has nothing to do. It really has a lot to do. It can have a lot to do with how we take care of ourselves and how we manage our energy, when to do certain things, when not to do certain things. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just define what Vedic astrology is. So Vedic astrology is the astrology of India. And it comes from the Vedas, thousands of year old spiritual, some of the oldest spiritual texts. Deepak Chopra made Ayurveda available and more of a common word here in the West. The word Ayurveda, Sanskrit word, translates to the science of life. And Ayurveda looks at us very holistically. Jyotish, which is the Sanskrit word for Vedic astrology, also comes from the Vedas, same place where um, Ayurveda does, is all described in there. And it translates into the science of light. Science of life, science of light. So, and it actually goes with Ayurveda in a way, in that there's a way to understand what you're, you know, how you're wired up and, and like there's places where organs are found and um, different states of mind are all found within your Vedic astrology chart. The more you understand about yourself, and I'm not a predictive astrologer, so the way I use the tool is I help people to become more aware of who they are and aware of making sense of the energy that they're probably already feeling and more sensitive to energy if they're not already feeling that and giving them ways to make sense of that energy so that they can make better choices for themselves. Know when something is, you know, when you walk into a storm, uh, you know, so if, so it's, it's um, Greg was just saying it's really cold outside where she is right now. So if she goes outside and she's got her bikini on, she's going to be really cold. But if she knows that it's cold outside and she's going to put her coat on and maybe her hat and it's definitely a mittens day, she can go outside and she still can do what she needs to do. Although it's, you know, she can be a little bit more comfortable, although there's still limitations of what she can do in that kind of a temperature. Well, that's happening to us all the time. So if we can understand how the celestial weather is affecting us personally, like what's going on now, but how, but how it was set up and affect, affects us personally within our own soul blueprint and our own inner wiring we can make better choices for ourselves given the conditions of what we're dealing with and we can also start to decipher when it's just a storm going by or when it is that you know how you think oh my god it's going to be like this forever but when you know it's not going to be like this forever that it's a piece of time then you it's very it's a lot easier to strategize and navigate that time like we know we're not going to those of you who have had children you know you're not carrying that baby forever you know labor's not going to last forever but we can do it right so it really helps us to frame things it's really understanding timing understanding ourselves including our soul challenges and how we can better work with that understanding our nature and it even with ayurveda goes into the dashas which helps you understand if you're more pitta or vata or you know and so and even going down to the level of things to eat and stuff i don't practice i don't teach that so much but that is all actually comes from vedic astrology oh that's interesting can we, can we talk about why prediction is 
I think prediction, this is my opinion, that it robs people of choice because you have a certain soul blueprint that you've made soul choices. And and I'm looking at that through the lens of Vedic astrology. Greg can look at that through the lens of Akashic Records. There's lots of different ways to look at that lens. Because of it's a snapshot in time, but the way we're wired up is we have freedom of choice and we're here to transcend, you know, use those challenges and transcend. And we're always, always at choice. So I might intuitively see a prediction, so to speak, with somebody. And I do often. But if I tell somebody this is what's going to happen, first of all, I don't really know. And it's me just tapping into the energy or a psychic right now and everything could change. But because someone has heard that, they start to they start to we all create a reality as far as i believe so they start to make choices to create that reality when it may or may not be in their best interest or continue to fit them by the time that would unravel does that make sense absolutely which is why i have a sort of cautionary view of genetic testing for predictive disease model, right? Like if you have the SNP, which is a piece of a gene that may have mutated for diabetes, but you're perfectly healthy today, you may worry about everything or you may totally change or you may throw up your hands and go, well, and my mother had it. So it's in my family and I've got the gene. So there I go. I'm just going to get diabetes. And so I worry that some of the information that's available from that kind of thing or from what you're talking about is like you said, it will take people's choice away or put them in fear or anticipation of something that isn't going to happen, or they may decide to do something different. And then, you know, so yes, I, I, I agree with you. That is such a good point. And we know from epigenetics that our environment has a, plays a huge part in whether those, those genes get turned on or off, on or off. And we just like, which is same as I'm talking, we can turn the choice, we can turn the soul challenge on or off, you know, we can turn the gift on or off, depending on the choices we make. So just remember, you are at choice. And even if, you know, I always say, be so smart, be informed, but then make the best choices you can make for really the outcome you want to have. Don't limit yourself. Yes. And keeping in mind that as we get older, we may be feeling hemmed in by choices, by the life we've chosen, the spouse, the place we live. Now with COVID, who used to have a job or a new business doesn't, they don't know what's happening. There are so many things that weigh on anybody as we start to get older. But in this time of life, because of COVID and vaccines and not vaccines, and that's scary enough at times, I think I don't want to diminish the idea that being at choice doesn't mean it's going to be easy if you want to change some. Some choices are very simple to make, but harder to execute to get where you want to go. So I just want to acknowledge that we you have the power to choose and some choices are harder to make. But when, you know, it's that old saying that says, and I, I'm sorry, I won't get it all right. But, you know, once one is committed, then all forces move, help to move someone in that direction. I can't remember who did that quote, but they conspire. You know, it is. As long as whatever choice you make, and then what it, you can do your best to step out of fear around that choice, I think that's what really brings in grace and a sense of ease. Because I know for me, and that I've had to make difficult choices at times, even letting go of my yoga center was a difficult choice. 
but I knew it was the right thing to do. So even though I had to go through some things with that, there was a sense of ease and grace about it because I could just feel it was right, you know, or whether you're ending a relationship. I know sometimes this time in, you know, in midlife, you know, we're facing, you know, relationships changing, you know, or children leaving or, you know, all those things. But I think it's the energy we hold around the choices that cr- helps to create the, the, the climate and sort of pave the way to give us what we need to move, move through and make that actually our reality. Yes, well said. And as long as we're talking about health, more or less, and I wanted to relate it to one of your tenets of what you teach, the downloads you've got for your solutionary work is, um, and I have your book right here, your sacred wealth code, and you talk about the kinds of wealth, right? And I want to make sure that we touch on the idea. Everybody will say that they've heard this. I get it. Health is wealth. When we don't have our health, we don't have what, you know, all of those things. But in order to have really good health these days, unless you have the magnificent gene package from the gods and everything is always work. And, you know, we know people that don't die till they're 114. They've been good most of their life. They drink, they smoke, whatever. And then there's the rest of us who have challenges that come up. But I want you to talk a little bit about the idea of health as, first of all, your philosophy on wealth. What is wealth and how does health fit into the category of wealth? Okay. So I believe wealth, my definition of wealth is everything you need to fulfill your purpose. And Vedic astrology has helped me come to that definition, both through understanding it and my life, but actually even in the science, because it is a science of how it's wired up. All the purpose houses are followed by the wealth houses in the in Vedic astrology chart. Why do we need what we need? And that's not just money, but it translates to money in our culture because money represents, you know, our our exchange uh, of trade. But it's the relationships we need. It's our health and our well-being. It's the knowledge, you know, that we need. What do we need to take in, acquire in order to be or do what we've come here to be or do? And health comes into that. Not only there's a scientific, like one of the wealth houses is actually a health house too interesting it's health and wealth is actually found in one place in the chart which is really interesting because that same placement which is the sixth house in vedic astrology has disease and health you know it has wealth and it has obstacles and effort and it has both sides of many things just again demonstrating we're we're at choice at you know how we animate that energy so yes the cliche if we don't have our health then we don't have our you know how can we enjoy our wealth when we go overboard, when we become really out of balance in any area, and we see that a lot in our culture around wealth or around a sort of, um, I, I believe, a, mis- a definition of wealth that is off because it doesn't support one's health because one's had to, you know, they've sacrificed, you know, their health, their well-being, their relationships, and we need relationships to be healthy too. In order to have things and stuff and wealth and you've heard it before only to find out that that person's just miserable in the end or they feel you know that they can't enjoy their success or enjoy what they have or they're so strung out on living a particular lifestyle and being so consumed in order what it what it takes to actually make the money so health is a huge part of of wealth and our ability to actually enjoy that wealth and 
you know, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, you know, a certain amount of wealth can make life easier. There is a certain amount, but beyond a certain amount, it doesn't necessarily make you any happier, the studies show. Yes. Where health and well-being, you know, that is where happiness actually resides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I did read, I can't remember the statistics, but that study was pretty interesting that at a certain level, everybody wants to get to the certain level, but then when they get there, they're like, oh, now I'm here. Okay, so now what, right? So you said to me on a call a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week that the physical body is the final frontier. And that just nabbed me because I was thinking the final frontier to change. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So your thoughts are very malleable. Think about your mind. It's like eat the chocolate cake. Don't Um, have an inspiration. And, you know, and you can really play that out in your mind, right? In lots of ways. And that's very, very changeable, right? You can change your mind, change your thoughts. Well, then we have the emotions. And the emotions are a little less malleable. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get in touch with our emotions, but our emotional currency and energy, that is, is, but it's still pretty fluid and pretty flexible. And you can change from one emotion to the next, you know, pretty, pretty readily. You could decide to be happy and be happy, right? Then there's the final frontier of the flesh. This is the slowest part of us to typically to change. It is also the densest part of us. So it's, you know, energy in a very slowed down form in my belief system. And it's much denser than your thoughts. Your body weighs more than your thoughts do, weighs more than your emotions do. So it changes slower. So for instance, if you're going to, um, you know, I live in Seattle, if I'm flying to Italy, I'm likely to have jet lag, even though I'm happy to be there. And like, I'm there and I'm present and I'm, in, and I'm enjoying it when I first get there. But my body, the, my molecules, it, it takes a little while for them to catch up with me. And that's the density of this. When we go to exercise at the gym or whatever. So it is no wonder that it, it doesn't respond as quickly as we would like it to. And it takes more, more energy to kind of get our body to do what we want to get it to do. Having your thoughts and your emotions in the right place is helpful for that. But it is a denser form. So I call it the final frontier because in order to master this body, and I don't mean looking perfect or anything, but feel like you have mastery and connection with your body, that is, it does take effort. And to me, it's more about being like, the you know, really your state of being, I think, is the quickest way to move your body, but also to be patient with ourselves and gracious with ourselves, especially, you know, as we hit midlife and beyond to be gracious with ourselves that, yeah, this is, you know, this is going to continue to change in a particular direction. And our efforts we put in, we have to kind of, you know, it may be slower, but if we keep with it, we will actually experience that change. Yeah. This is just reminded me of something that I, when I work with a client who has something they want to change, often it's a weight loss thing. And they might come and say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in 30 days. That's what their goal is. And I really won't allow them to bring that to my coaching sessions with them because the body has its own time clock 
And at midlife and beyond, the time clock is way, generally speaking, slower than we'd like it to be. So I'd like to lose 20 pounds, honorable, doable, fantastic. Now here's the steps that we're going to play with to see if it works for you. And the the goal or the, the reward when you get to X number of pounds may happen in 30 days. It may happen in five, you know, but it's very frustrating for people to get. We have all been taught to put these timelines behind our goals. And I think especially when we don't reach them in the timeline that we had anticipated, it's really depressing. And some people would say, well, if you don't put it, it's not measurable and, you know, smart goals, whatever. I can't even remember what those are. Then you don't have there's no impetus. There's no motivation. I don't agree. I think the motivation changes its own self, but it doesn't have to have a specific timeline. And I think if you gauge it off of how you feel, and that's pretty much with everything, like how you feel, then, you know, and go at, like, why do you even want to lose the 20 pounds? Like, what, how, what are you after? You know, why do you want to, okay, well, I want to feel you know, I want to feel lighter in my body. I want to feel, oh, I want to actually be able to, to go backpacking again, or I want what, whatever it is mm-hmm. that, you know, and really make sure you connect it to that. Same as if I'm working with somebody and we are looking at, you know, so why do you want to write this book? Or why do you want to, you know, find out what your purpose is? Or why do you want to make this change from career to your business or whatever it is? What's the underlying purpose of that? We're not going to write, you're not going to write a book overnight. Well, let's face it, it's actually, you know, it's, it's going to put in, you're going to have to put in again, like, you know, losing weight, you're going to have to put something in there. But again, how do you know you're on the right track? And how, you have to have that vision. And then also to me, it's measuring it by how you feel and then reinforcing that like, oh, so maybe I thought I wanted to lose 20 pounds. But you know what, I'm at 15. And I feel so great. And it's not that I'm quitting or anything, but I just really, I feel great. You know, so I don't really care when the next five comes off, you know, giving us ourselves that kind of grace. Absolutely. And I should say, having just gone through knee surgery, my husband had total knee replacement surgery. He had a deadline to lose some weight because the surgery was a certain date. And the doctor said it would be great if you could lose 10 pounds or 15, whatever it was by this date. So he did have a time. And that's a little bit different. I'm just talking most people are not, you know, unless it's the wedding or we, we don't have weddings anymore. They're all virtual. So but it's true of everything, making money if you're a business person. All of the goals are great to have. But like you said, how do you want to feel? Why do you, how do you want to feel when you get there? But how do you want to feel every day? Like, let's feel that way now and bring in some steps to change whatever it is that we're looking to change. Also, understanding your nature. And I think that's what you're really pointing at. And that's another thing that, you know, the work that I do and the support of understanding who you are, how do we put and what do we put in place, whether it's making whatever transition that whether it's a business or you know even just finding out you know how to use your gifts or or whatever it may be but understanding your nature and being able to honor that and being able to work with that because we're not different and we're so outer referenced in this society we're always looking outside and measuring ourselves against others and the media and all those things that at the end of the day that could leave us feeling pretty less than, but when you understand, like you don't expect your chihuahua to act like a St. Bernard, you know, you don't expect it to act like a cat either. You, oh, the chihuahua's being a chihuahua, you know, if we could allow ourselves, you know, to find out what is my, what is actually my nature, it just frees us up so much. And speaking of, I love the shadow work. 
So we have, we find out our nature. Let's see, like we're naturally gifted in communication. We're a teacher, we're a lover, we're this, we're a nurturer. Well, there's always the flip side <laughs> of that. And the good news about the shadow side, first of all, knowing what your shadow is, because if you know who you're, what your gifts are on the light side, then you also have the dark side. Then when you feel that coming up, or if you see yourself being, let's just say judgmental self or outward, or, you know, a little snooty at times, if that is your shadow characteristic, I tell you what, and I said this during my everything is food, I'll probably say it a million times over the course of this podcast. Once you know something, you can't not know it. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Kind of forget that maybe your flip side of your fiery deliciousness is sarcasm, Greg. But once you hear it enough, it's like you're opening your mouth and you go, shadow, what do I want to do with this instead? Tell us a little bit more about the shadow and how it works. Yeah, so I'm going to circle back. And um, so I have a body of work that is your sacred wealth code as woven into some of what I do. And your sacred wealth code, I sort of downloaded this based on a scientific principle in Vedic astrology, helping people understand where their purpose and their prosperity come together. Because I noticed over a, a long time of working with people and myself and through a whole dark night of the soul I went through, that that's, that sweet spot of where your purpose and prosperity, literally like when I look at somebody's chart and how that intersects, but within ourselves is really where, where your highest value gifts, your divine gifts, the gifts that when you use those gifts, you're actually on your purposeful path. You do not have to worry about, you're just good. What is my purpose? Use your gifts. It, you will actually be on your purposeful path. So then in that work, there's also noticing where you're not. And when you're on the shadow side of your gifts, just to take you a little deeper in as I'm working with this and understanding this even more. So my, the way I'm wired up is to take spiritual principle, bigger concepts and make them down, bring them down into a really practical form for people so that they can be really user friendly. So then the sacred wealth code archetypes showed up. Now archetypes is a soul language and just like I can say the teacher or the mystic or the engineer. And all of you just had a little story that opened up that's very personal to you, but is representational of that particular archetype. And I was so thrilled when the archetypes showed up and they are connected to the planets and they're connected to some, they honor the, the mythology and archetypes of India, but they're in very English because I live, you know, I speak English and I live in this in the West terms and so we have archetypes like the the connector who do i have on the wall the administrator the visionary and there is a shadow side to the archetypes now the archetypes give us a way to tap into our sacred wealth code tap into these energies i've been talking about in a very user-friendly but personal way so for instance in the archetype of the connector so one of the shadow sides with the connector, as great as I mean, I'm a connector, great as a connector is and connecting in with one another and, you know, very intuitive and caring. Well, the shadow, one of the shadow sides is the people pleaser. And this, I see this in the feminine in women a lot. And, and underneath the people pleaser, it's going to be unique to you, but it's kind of looking for love in all the wrong places. It's, and so on the great nurturer, it's also um, the overgiver, you know, and the feminine women are, you know, have that natural nurturer. But if somebody really has a strong um, archetype of the nurturer, again, that over overgiving leaves one feeling depressed 
completed and it usually leads to martyrdom on the on the other side of that. So great to know when you're slipping over into the shadow or how your shadow is actually wired up. And then you can kind of look back at your life and see, oh, that's how that's been showing up. Then we can understand what beliefs are. And I have clearing processes and such to help us clear those beliefs and rewire and be able to step more into our gifts. Now, our shadow is not to be pushed away. It's more like sort of a misinformed part of ourself. So imagine that you have a child, that you're all families taking a walk. We have a five-year-old stub their toe. And that five-year-old is like lagging back, you know, three blocks behind. Well, and they're limping. Well, you're not going to say, well, just hurry up. Well, maybe somebody would. But if you go back and maybe give it, give it a lift for a while and, and find out, like, we don't even know why it's lagging. Like, what's going on? We, you know, we put our arm around it and we, and we figure it out. Well, our shadow, I always say everybody's welcome at the party. So you want to get to know your shadow because there's part of your gifts that you can't fully access when you're in your shadow. And by getting to know your shadow, we get to unlock that and get to get that gift and move through that challenge that keeps that shadow in a particular state, you know, people pleasing, you know, so that you'll get love or get recognition or, or whatever that may be. And usually those things aren't on the surface. We have to we have to dig a little bit, but it's nice to know. Oh, if you're an overgiver, the uh, Mars, uh, the honorable warrior is tends to be a rescuer on the shadow side, picks relationships and situations where they have to swoop in and rescue so they can feel, you know, so it's wonderful to know that, oh, I like to say, get excited about your shadow because there's a lot of currency in there and we want to find out what that is instead of continuing to push it away. So I just want to tie this together. We are... At any moment in time, no matter what age we are, but I'm going to say, especially so at the midpoint and beyond, faced with things that we, we wake up one day and we say, huh, I'm not sure I feel very good about this, this person, this place, this whatever, or my body. What am I going to do? Sometimes you need a little, and I know we talked about, we are very outward focused. We go outside for information and all the juicy stuff is really inside. However, Oftentimes, it takes an outside person to reflect back to us. This is what I heard you say. How much does that mean to you? What would it feel like if it wasn't there? How can we help you? Right? That, those kinds of conversations, I think, are really great in moving forward because if we don't take action or at least introspective action to decide what we want to do now, why? It's going to stick around. Sometimes things get worse if it's a health problem or if it's a relationship that is, you know, dragging on you or not supporting you. They don't generally get better on their own. And I also think why postpone the joy of feeling fully expressed and being all that you can and having all that you can? I mean, we talked about it earlier. It's not every decision is not an easy decision. And then what follows the decision can sometimes be heartbreaking, wrecking and all of that stuff. However, there is a light at the end. If you've made the decision for yourself from a place of soul, heart, surety, checked in with yourself once you've gotten these outside bits of info, would you say? Absolutely. We were never meant to do it alone. We are, there's a reason why we hold babies inside nine months and then we have to hold them. I always say you have to hold them for another nine months before you can finally put them down. We, we will die without human contact uh, or not do very well and not thrive. And as women, we are all connectors at some level, even if you're an introvert or whatever, we do better in community. We do better. And I don't want to open up a whole 
can of worms, but there has been from the outer reference, there's for some women have experienced like competition between women and stuff. And I mean, not healthy competition, but in truth, we all just, we want a sense of belonging and we do really well when we get like-minded together, whether that's a, a one-on-one conversation. And that's why, you know, um, Greg and I are both in the helping business and it's important to be able to get support for wherever you are. And if you haven't changed something and it's been going on for a while, likely you need some help. And I think also women in our culture, it has its, um, for some people have it wired in as almost a sign of weakness to need help. And it's not, you were, hear this, you were never meant to do it alone. We don't thrive alone. It, it, we just don't. So if you're someone who's been, if this conversation is stirring up something in you and like, oh yeah, I, I have one of those things or, you know, whether it's an inner thing or whether it's a physical thing, you know, you know, love yourself enough to, to reach out because there's, there's help all around. And if you're feeling better and you feel it better about yourself, there's just, you know, life becomes more meaningful and there's so much more you can do. Absolutely. Tell um, people how they can find you and what you offer, which is lots and lots of good stuff, including reading. Yeah. So you can go to my website and I'm going to give it to you the easy way. My company is called Solutionary and I have a Solutionary website, but the back door is easy. It's, your, it's sacredwealthcode.com and Sacred Wealth Code will get you there. There's a free quiz on my, um, on my website where you can find out one of your Sacred Wealth Code archetypes, what it is. There's other goodies there for you and, you know, readings and, um, you know, I help communities in different ways and such and, and, and it's all there. When I did the quiz the first time, I was very excited to get an archetype, of course. Then I wanted all the archetypes, <laughs> which I mean, not all the archetypes, all of my archetypes. And I then had a reading and we went from there. But even the one, it just, it's like, oh, I recognize that in me. Like you will see whichever archetype you take the quiz, it'll pull up your one of your archetypes and you'll go, oh my gosh, yeah, that's totally me. This is so cool, right? It's not like you're going to end up with some random no. person archetype that isn't anything to do with you and if you don't feel like huh what does that mean i'm a communicator i never think of myself as a good i think i said that to you like i can't be a good communicator and but you'll get a whole description of what it means and right I, if i remember correctly because it's been yes and and a lot of and sometimes when you when you don't recognize this part of yourself and i see this often that's because you have been trained by society by culture by your family at what you're good at and who you are instead of being raised in an environment where you just got to explore and let naturally who you are and what you're good at emerge most of the time that sort of pushed at you or you feel like you have to you have to be something so if you if you get in your and if you get your whole sacred wealth code and you get an archetype that you're wondering okay well like like I'm an organizer or I'm a great nurturer. Well, I don't, I don't know that about myself that I, that I am. It's actually something very valuable to you, but you dialed it down or you're so much in the shadow part. Cause that was, that was a fire that was never fanned in, in, in nurtured in you. So you wonder why some things aren't working. Well, you have some of your greatest gifts that you, you know, have been put on the back burner because, and a lot of times I find people were told, well, you're not good at that. You or you can't be that. And 
that shuts, I mean, literally like one instance like that for a young child can just shut that switch right off for you. I was told I was never going to be good at science when I was in high school, chemistry. I loved biology. I did really well. Got to chemistry and the teacher said, because I wanted to be a doctor. She said, no, you can't. You need to stick to language. I think that it was a good recommendation because I was skilled in communicating in language, but knowing how a geek I am with research and studying all the medical stuff and, you know, working for a heart surgeon so that I could get close behind the scenes. It was all still there, a part of me, but I just didn't have the, once that happened, I was like, okay, that's it. We don't want that. But even as adults, right, it's never too late. Now I'm not going to go to medical school now. (laughs) However, I found ways to use that Mm -hmm. part of me that was so interested in it. And even if, let's say somebody gets an archetype and they say, I don't think of that for me, but I want to explore it. And they explore it and they think, well, you know, if I did this, that would nurture that part of me. It's never too late to take on some, even if it's a hobby, start a business, whatever it is, it's never too late. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said that because we have also have this sort of culture that says your purpose is what you do and you have to know what it in and has, you have a purpose and you have gifts and they get to be expressed in lots of different ways. And as long as you're in touch with them and you're expressing them, other areas of your life thrive. Think about your health and well-being. If you're taking care of your health and well-being and you're thriving, well, likely your relationships are probably more likely to thrive. You know, your your work is probably more likely to thrive because we're not separate like that. We're, We're holistic beings. So I see with some people that they might make a living doing one thing, but their their purpose is expressed through maybe it's some some charity work they do maybe it's it's through art and they don't make a living through art but it just lights them up and lights up their soul and when you do that you never know where that's going to lead if you take the pressure off of it has to be this one thing and you take the pressure off of it you open up so many other opportunities will start to come to you and that's why what i love about the sacred wealth code is it's just Understand your gifts, get out of the shadows, just start using your gifts in whatever way it comes to you, and your soul will start to deliver other opportunities too. That's a perfect ending. Let the soul deliver things to us. We just have to honor the soul's calling. And for people that don't really think in terms of their soul talking to them or something, we're just talking about intuition. Yes. Come with this inner wisdom. Call it, you know, all kinds of things. It has many different names, but... In Prema's world, in my world, it's a soul and your soul has a blueprint. Speaks to you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for all of this great information. We've covered an awful lot here. I'm always so happy to have a conversation with you. I hope other people will. We will put your page URL for your website on the page with the podcast so people can find it. But if you're listening and not going to be on a computer, is it the Sacred Wealth Code or your Sacred Wealth Code? Just, just sacredwealthcode.com sacredwealthcode.com okay great so take a look and uh, see what you can see there take the quiz it's fun if nothing else thank you again and uh, be well till next time everybody we'll be back next week that's the end of another episode of the rebellious wellness over 50 podcast I hope you've enjoyed it if there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend a sister a mother hey even some guys send them my way would you and if you've not ever been to the website rebelliouswellnessover50.com head on over there there are resources things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better be well till next time and stay that way